you, Roz. Evening, everybody. Uh, great to be with you this evening. I want us, um, before we even get into this message, to, uh, to just think about the whole aspect of the way we want to respond to the Lord tonight. Um, you know, it's great to preach a message. It's another thing to respond to God. To me, the Bible is all, the Bible is all about God speaking to us so that our lives can change. So let's just take a moment. Just, you may want to close your eyes for a minute. Um, just, just to think about that even before we hear what I'm going to speak about. And, uh, and just to say, Lord, I'm willing to listen. I was listening to, uh, to Francis Chan speaking the other day, preaching the other day. And he, uh, he just reminded me, he said, one of the most dangerous things we can do is to ever hear the word of God and not obey it. Because once we get into that routine, we keep thinking it's okay to keep doing that. And a really sort of dangerous place to be, very meaningful, significant place to be when we hear the word of God and we choose to obey the Lord. And so Father, we come to you tonight not because we get it all right, but we come to you tonight because we know that your ways are the best ways for our lives. Lord, we, we choose to obey and we choose to follow because, Lord, we want to embrace the fact that you've said that I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. And, Lord, we know that the life that you've brought us, kingdom living, uh, Lord, is significantly different to any other life that we've ever known, any other way of living that we've ever known. And I pray tonight, Lord, that our hearts will be open to what the Spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name, Amen. Alright, so if you are visiting with us for the first time tonight, we've been uh, slowly making our way through um, Philippians. Uh, it's been a nice journey, an exciting uh, journey. But the whole theme of, of Philippians uh, is summed up in chapter 1 and verse uh, 27. And Paul's concern is about the way that you and I conduct ourselves as believers. It's the way we live out our faith. And so in verse 27, and that really summarizes everything else that he's going to talk about. Whatever happens, and I just sit on that for a minute, whatever's going down in your life right now, you can be going through an amazing moment. If you've got a ring on the finger, that's an amazing moment. But you might be going through quite a tough moment at, 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 at this present time. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's the theme of Philippians. In other words, the way that Christians conduct themselves is important, both when we're being blessed and when we're going through hard times. Now when it comes to chapter 4, which is where I want to land um, this evening, Paul is, is very grateful to the Philippians for a financial gift uh, that uh, they've sent him. And, 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 but despite the fact they've sent him this amazing financial gift, he wants them to know that his ability to be content is not as a result of the financial gift that they've sent to him. Instead, he wants to say to them, I have learned something about being content that I want to share with you. 
And very often when people read through Philippians chapter 4, it's one of those great uh, scriptures that Christians often use that they can do almost anything for God through Christ that strengthens us. You know, you can win the rugby because Christ strengthens you. You know, you can have enough money because Christ strengthens you. You can do the most awesome job in the world because Christ strengthens you. That's actually not what the scripture is all about. What Paul is trying to say to these believers over here, thanks so much for the financial gift. Thank you for caring for me, but I want you to know my contentment is not as a result of the financial gift that you have given. He's saying, in fact, this. It is possible for you, and it is possible for me, to be content in any circumstances. That's quite radical to me. Let's read it. From Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> Starts off by thanking them for the gift. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. In other words, really grateful for the gift, but guys, I want you to know, I'm not saying this because I was in need, for I have learned... To be content, whatever the circumstances. Where was Paul when he was writing this letter? He was in, and wasn't Paul's more. It was worse than that. Far worse than that. And he's saying, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. He said, I know what it is to be in need. That's quite radical. He said, I also know what it is to have plenty he said, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. This is what, what, what and, and, and I sort of dived into that, those, that, that verse a little bit. He's saying, I can, I can do everything in God's empowering. In other words, he's not saying, I've learned how to be content in everything. He said, I've learned a secret that God enables us supernaturally to have a contentment by His Spirit. And yet, it was good of you, verse 14, to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift. He said, I'm not after your money. But I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. In other words, how you've responded with your money before the Lord. That's what's important. Not that I get it, but how you've used it. I've received full payment and even more. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And then he goes on that verse we all know so well, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Do you know why he wrote that verse? Because these were incredibly poor people who were supporting him. These were not people who were giving who had stacks of money. 
And they would take saying, well, we've got stacks of money, we're going to just take a bit and we're going to send it on to Paul to support him. These were really poor believers that sacrificially had given to him. And he's wanting to encourage them and he's saying to them, my God will supply all your needs as you've supplied my needs and as you've given sacrificially to me. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And what's important over here as we come to uh, these verses is that Paul is not saying that circumstances don't matter. But, but what he's saying is this. It is possible to be content whether you've got a lot or whether you've got a little. When you have enough and sometimes when you don't, whatever the circumstances you're in, you are able to be content. And you see what he's talking about? He's talking about the condition of our hearts. He's talking about what's going on in people's hearts. And he has discovered that we can be content in all circumstances. May I say this to you this evening? True contentment. The type of contentment Paul is speaking about over here tonight does not come from what you have and what you don't have. It does not even come from the fact that everything's going to work out the way you've planned. Whether you get the right job or not, find the right person that you're looking for or not. He's saying it doesn't come from that. It comes from what the Lord is doing in your life and my life. Now, I want to say that this evening because I think this is a massive issue for our culture. Because in our culture, many people believe that our circumstances actually do bring us contentment. If only I have. If only this happens. If only that. Then I'll be happy. Then I'll be content. If all our dreams come true, then we will be content. Do you know that we are one of the most affluent generations that's ever lived and also one of the most discontent generations that's ever lived? And this is what Paul is, is addressing. He is addressing the fact that as long as we believe that contentment comes from what we have and what is happening in our lives, you will never be content. As long as you believe that, you will never be content, and I will never be content. I think most of us tonight here know that Paul lived by faith and trusted God for everything. But despite the fact that Paul lived by faith and trusted God for everything, do you know that sometimes things were hard for him? Do you believe that? He was a man of faith. He was a man that lived by faith, trusted God for his finances, trusted God in his ministry, trusted in God's leading. Listen to what he says about his life. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. And I've learned to be content. Three times I was beaten with rods, and once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in open sea, I've been constantly, and I've been constantly on the move, and I am content. I've been in danger 
from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, speaking about the Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers, I've labored and toiled, and I have often gone without sleep. You say, well, that's not so bad. Well, he goes on to say, I have known hunger and thirst. I've often gone without food, and I have been cold, and I have been naked. And when he says, I have learned the secret of being content, he's talking about in those circumstances as well. I don't think he's saying that Christians should be okay with being poor. I also don't think he's saying that Christians should be okay, and that it doesn't matter what happens in our lives. What he's saying is this, it is possible from being free from this stuff being the source of our content. May I say to you this evening, that's the truth that will set you free. That it's possible to be content whether you have and whether you don't have. What I've realized is that the enemy has taken control of the media and the information that's being fed to us. And he's using that to breed a lot of discontent Christians who fundamentally don't believe that contentment comes from Christ anymore. It is almost unusual to speak to a person who's going through really tough times and they say, you know what, I'm really good. And you know what? It's actually okay. And you know what? I really have a sense of contentment before the Lord. And it's okay. You don't need to worry. It's like, like panic. Please worry. I want to tell you I'm just struggling. Paul's saying like, actually I'm in a different space to that. It's almost a sense of what God is saying to the church today. I need people who... Speak about the fact that I am content in Christ and because of what Christ is doing in my life. And the moment we believe that truth, we can reject the lie that we're being sold and we can find freedom to be content the way that God wants us to be content. You all know the the account of Jesus when he met the Samaritan woman at the well. Some of you know it. John chapter 4, listen to what he says. Everyone who drinks this water, the provision of this world, will be thirsty again. He said you can have it and you're going to want more, and you're going to want more, and you're going to want more. But every, he says this, but, but every, whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. When you receive from God, he quenches your thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I go back to my own experience. The day that I began to understand this truth was the day that I started to say, God, I want to experience what you've got for me rather than what I'm trying to get in my own strength. My very first trip that I made overseas was to a massive conference. There were about 10,000 people there from all over the world. It was in Glasgow in Scotland. And because of the size of the crowd, we were scattered all over the city. 
uh, in different accommodation. I happened to be staying in a church with a whole bunch of us that were sleeping in the church. And basically what would happen every morning is a bus would pick us up and would take us through to the conference venue where we were meeting together. <clears throat> and in the bus and on the way, one morning I met up with a guy who was a believer from um, a communist country where Christianity was really being suppressed. And so I began to talk to him. And I said, oh, tell me, what's it been like? And he said, well, I'm a Christian. He said, but because, I've, because I'm a Christian in my country, and because I'm known to be a Christian in my country, I've not been able to have promotion in my job. I've not been allowed to go to university. And basically, whatever I do going forward has been capped because I'm a Christian. And so I said, sure, you must be really, must be quite hard going. No, I'm really happy. I'm really content. I'm, I'm, and it's like, I almost felt like I needed to convince this guy he needed to be sad. No, seriously. It's like, because my framework didn't fit what he was talking about. It's like my framework, I'm so used to coming from a, from a group of Christians when things were going well, praise God, when they weren't going well, it's, oh, it's so heavy and it's so terrible that when I met a guy that did the opposite, I couldn't figure it out. I almost felt I needed to convince him that he needed to feel bad, and he didn't. I've never forgotten. In fact, here was a guy super content, praising God, happy in his walk with God, because he knew true contentment, you see. I had only heard about it, but he knew about it. And that's where the difference lay. And this evening, what I'd like us to do, just to pause for a minute in, in, in the sermon, in the, in the meeting, and to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us right now. And there is something that God does for us that I can't do for you. In fact, there's not a single person that can do it for you. He can give you living water so that you won't thirsty. That's his promise. If you knew the gift of God and who it, who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. And Jesus said, when you receive the water I give you, you will not thirst again. You will not be chasing after other things to fill your heart. There will be a sense of fullness because of me and because of what I am doing and what the Spirit of God is doing in your life. Now, I want us just to pause for a minute. And if you sang, John, tonight, it is my desire that God would come and he would minister to me. You see, often we come to church for what we've come to do. I want to say this evening, you're here for what God has come to do for you. It is his desire to minister to us as his people that we would receive from him. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray in a minute. For Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him. So why don't we just ask him? And if it's your desire... You say, Lord, will you come by your Spirit? And will you come and fill my life? Lord, I desire to have those rivers of living water from your Spirit. I'm going to ask you that you just stand for a moment. And I'm going to just pray over that and trust God, what he wants to do amongst us here this evening. You don't need to stand. This is, there's no pressure to stand here. We are coming here to receive from him because of his
promise to us. And you're standing tonight because you're trusting Him. Not because you feel a certain way, but because you believe what He has said is true. Lord, you said that you're a good father and you give good gifts to them that ask you. And Father, here we are tonight. Lord, we don't want to take our cue from the world. Lord, we don't want to take our cue from all the sales pitches that we hear every single day of our life. We see it on every billboard. We hear it in the, in the news. We see it every time we open, uh, we open the news on our phones. Lord, all over the show, it's saying, the world can satisfy and make you content if you've just got this and if you've just got that. And Lord, we say tonight, we reject that as a lie. We reject that as a lie. And Father, we've come to you the one who said you will cause rivers of living water to flow from within us. And I ask you tonight, Spirit of God, that you will do that for us. Lord, that we will be different because you have made us different. Not, not because, Lord, we are trying to be different in our own strength. But Lord, we are being different because you are at work in us to make us different. And Lord, so I'm asking that by the power of your Spirit, we will be believers who know what it is to be content in Christ and with your provision. Lord, we don't want to go anywhere else. We don't want to drink at any other well. We've come to you tonight. And we're saying now to you, Lord, we come with open hands and open hearts to receive from you and from what you have for us. Let's just take a minute where we are. I want to quickly rush on again. Take a minute to be quiet. Take a minute to be alert to God. Take a minute to just sit on what he said. You'll, you ask him and he will give you rivers of living water. Lord, we've come to receive from you. We are thirsty, we long for more. We believe your word. Amen. Be seated. But I, I want to move on from what we've been talking about and what Paul's been saying because he goes on to talk about the fact that an inner reality needs to affect our behavior on the outside. You can't just talk about things changing on the inside if it doesn't translate into an outward behavior. 
And so the moment we start to say we aim to trust God, we're going to believe what God is saying in the word over here, it starts to bring a shift in what we're doing and the way that we carry on. And so Paul says over here, I have learned the secret of being content. And what he's saying the secret is this. Not I've learned how to be content, but I've learned the secret of being content, and it's what God enables me to be like. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to be in plenty, verse 12 and 13. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Can we, is that up on the screen? Can we just read this together? I can do everything through him who gives me strength. By God's power and by God's enabling. But what does it mean to put that into practice? How do we actually do this? How do we get this right? How do we find this contentment that we've been speaking about this evening? I want to suggest to you a few practical ways that you can go about it. Because for me, it is not just an instantaneous thing, but it is the journey of life that we are living in contentment. The first thing that I want to suggest to you is that we need to give ourselves to regular times of prayer. There is a lesson I have learned that I'd like to share with you tonight. There are times we need to keep going until there's a breakthrough. It's, it's great to ask God for something. It's sometimes we stop and we leave it there instead of pushing through until God starts to show us what's standing in the way of being content. You see, sometimes there are things happening in our lives that are blocking this that are preventing it happen. Sometimes we have to repent of an unhealthy reliance on money. That's what we need to repent of. Sometimes we need to repent of the fear of not having enough. Or putting all of our focus on our dreams coming true, just the way we wanted them to come true, instead of putting God first. You know what I've discovered? Until we deal with the blockages, you find you can't see the rivers of living water flowing in your life. Secondly, it means resisting the lies of our culture because we know where they come from. In John chapter 8, Jesus said this, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. But then I want you to go on and see what he said about the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Friends, we live in the world, but we can't buy into its philosophy. And thirdly, it means learning to trust God for his provision and for his enabling in your life. Do you know that God never makes a mistake with you? We only think he does. 
Because sometimes I don't understand what God is doing in my life over here. But God is looking years down the line and saying, John, this is what I need to do in your life. This is what I'm, the way that I'm shaping you. These are the things I need to break off you right now. These are the things I need to shape and mold in you because I see the end product. I'm saying, no, Lord, I don't like it. And he's saying, yes, John, you do. And I really want to say, coming to the Lord and saying, God, I want you to work the way that you want to in my life. Very interesting scripture that I want to just land on here is Matthew chapter 6. And it deals with money. And I want to talk about money because our culture revolves around money. It really does. And you know what? We've got so used to it, we don't even recognize it anymore. Listen to what Jesus said. He says, no person can serve two masters. Nobody. Either he's going to hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and he will despise the other. Therefore, because you can't serve two masters, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. He's saying when you do that, you're starting to serve another God. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Here's what I want to land on. Are you not more important than they are? Do you believe tonight that God loves you? Do you really believe that God cares for you? Do you really believe that you are precious in His sight tonight? Because if you don't believe that, you're not going to believe His provision for you. And friends, He didn't love you because you look so nice. He loved you because Jesus is so good. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? You know what? You probably lose a few hours if you worry. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. And yet, I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more? Will he not clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? It says, for unbelievers run after these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. That doesn't mean you won't face some tough times. I want to promise you, you probably are going to face some tough times. But you know what it does mean? God's going to come through for you. And God's going to come through for me. Unfortunately, we believe that if God even fails us for two days, then it's all been a waste of time. Well, Paul said, I was naked, I was hungry, I was beaten, I was shipwrecked, he said, God's still faithful. How are we doing for time? I think I need to skip the rest and, and, uh, and wrap it up.
I wanted to, uh, this evening, to finish off with something quite practical. So in the front over here, we've got, a, we've got some pieces of paper, we've got some pens, and we've got some boxes. I thought it might be good for us to, to, uh, to deal with some of the stuff that often clouds our vision when it comes to contentment and God's provision for us. And so there's going to be an opportunity for you tonight to take a step of faith. The reason that's important to me, we started off by speaking about how we're going to respond to God's word. I think one of the ways we need to respond to him is by taking a step of faith. Often what we do in the natural has a spiritual counterpart to it. And so for some of you, and what I'm going to invite you to do is to come and grab a piece of paper uh, during the worship immediately after this. For some of you, you can take a pen there. Write down what stands in the way of you finding content. Now, I'm not going to go and read these afterwards. I don't have the time to do that. But you are writing this down before the Lord. All I want you to, if there's something that you feel is standing in your way of finding true contentment before God, write it down, fold it in half, and drop it in the box during the worship time. Perhaps some of you need to repent of the fear and worry that God will not supply your need. Write it down. For some of you, you need to confess before the Lord, you have so much and yet you're still discontent. There's still a deep hunger and, and longing inside of you. For some of you tonight, it means taking a step to start giving to God's work out of what He has entrusted to you, even if it's your pocket money. It's part of the message I didn't get to tonight. But often one of the ways of dealing with that is we need to say, Lord, I'm willing to trust you by being a giver. For some of you, you're going to take a piece of paper and say, I want to thank God that I already know his content. I want to honor him for that. I want to say thank you, Lord, for what you are doing and the incredible contentment that I've got. Let's do that tonight. Maybe for some it means coming back to the place of saying, I believe God will supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. You know what my sense is for you as a generation? God is raising up a generation that's going to be different. I must say to you, as a pastor in this church, I'm incredibly excited about what the Lord is doing in your lives. I'm seeing a generation that's saying, we're no longer going to pay lip service. We want to do this stuff. We want to be real with God. We want to be authentic about that. You know what? That is to me, it's a privilege to be part of a generation that's saying, no more talking. We want to be doers. We want to be obedient. We want to follow Christ. We're willing to be sacrificial, but we're not willing to just talk about stuff anymore. I'm really excited about being part of a generation like that. My sense is that's what God is doing in the church here at the moment. There's a generation of people saying, we are serious with God. And so when you come to the front and you fill that in, this is just your way of saying to the Lord, Lord, this is my response tonight. This is what I want to, res- what I want to say to you tonight. So let's pray. Ask, while I'm praying, ask the worship team, Tammy, and the team to come up. They're going to lead us in a time of singing. As this, the worship starts, I want to invite you to come up grab a piece of paper, write something on it, and put it in the box there. And you're saying, Lord, this is my response to you tonight.
I believe I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me by his empowering. And I can live a life of contentment before him. So God, I want to thank you for every person's heart in which you are working tonight. Really want to praise you, God, that, that uh, this is about you tonight, not about us. It's about what you've come to do in our hearts, what you've come to do in our lives, Lord. And we just, we just love responding to you, Lord, because we know that wherever we respond to you, there is life, there is peace, there is growth, there is growing closer to you. There's knowing more of your spirit and getting to know you more. Father, tonight, I just pray, help us as a generation of believers to take a step forward as we follow you. Lord, may we be those who are able to so say, whatever the circumstances, I can say, I've learned to be content in Jesus. Father, I pray that in your name. Amen.